everyone, and welcome to Glenbrook Gals, a Life Goes On podcast where we talk about every episode of the television series Life Goes On, one by one, spoiler free. I'm Brittany. And I'm Kaylin. And today we're discussing Season 1, Episode 2, Corky for President. This episode first aired Sunday, September 24th, 1989, which is 28 years before my son was born, (laughs) and was written by Paul Wolf and directed by Kim Friedman. The episode synopsis per TV Guide is Corky's running for class president. It's a joke to the in-crowd that nominated him, but not to Corky or his campaign manager, Lester, played by Ryan Bullman. So, Kaylin, you messaged me earlier and said you were excited to record this episode, so I'm taking it you enjoyed it? I did. I I had to keep pausing it because I had, um, like, so many thoughts. That I was like, I need to write this down so I don't forget to say it later, and I didn't do that last time. So I did the same, and a lot of it is because there were so many good quotes that I wanted to pull from the episode. Yes. The episode opens with Corky walking to class and two stupid jocks switch the bathroom signs and convince him to go into the girls' bathroom to get the football team. So immediately we're pissed off. Like, before even the, like, title sequence, you're just entering the episode mad and feeling terrible for Corky. Right. I mean, you're already mad when you realize what's happening or what's about to happen. And then the scene ends with him leaning against the lockers, just looking so defeated. And you feel like Libby later on in the episode. We'll get to that. We also get a quick sneak peek of Lester in this scene. He will be a prominent figure throughout the episode. Oh, I missed that, but I only watched it once. So that's probably why. I think that what breaks my heart about the opening scene is you see right away and I kind of hinted at this in the last episode just Corky's desire to make friends and that's all he's trying to do here I know I you just feel so bad for Corky after the opening credits we go to the family bathroom Libby is trying to redo the bathroom because she's waited on Drew to do these renovations and she decides she's just gonna take it upon herself Corky comes in, they have a conversation about what happened at school. He says it's not a big deal. Everybody believed him that it wasn't his idea. Libby says that she wants to punch him in the lip or something something like that. And I was like, yeah, right on, Mama. <laughs> and then I think right after that, Becca comes in and talks to him about it, too, and is like, dude, you need to tell on them. And he says, I don't want to squeal. <laughs> It's sad. It's kind of a throwback to the first episode. He didn't want to rat on Rona because even though he knows that these kids are in the wrong, he's trying to forgive them because he wants to be their friend. I also want to point out that it was not beyond me that there were some harmful Native American terms that were said in this scene. That being said, it's the 80s. I'm not going to repeat the terms used But I'm not going to condemn the show for it because we have to remember that this is a different time. Right. I actually missed that. It it wasn't said in any type of malicious way. It was just speed, like ignorant terms. But I just kind of wanted to point that out because if there are problematic themes throughout this show, I will 100% point them out. But I'm also going to take it with a grain of salt considering when it was made. 
Right. This is like a whole different time. Yes, the times, they are a changing. <laughs> we are back in the classroom discussing school elections. They are talking about how there will be a vote to see who is nominated for class president. Lester points out that it's pointless because it's all a popularity contest in the end. And honestly, as far as I ever saw, this was true at the time. Well, and I think even now, class elections are pointless. I think homecoming and prom court, it's pointless. It's all just a popularity contest, and it just encourages kids to do stupid crap in order to make friends. Yeah, I agree. I had a kid a couple days ago who, I teach fourth grade, so sometimes their critical thinking skills are just (laughs) not with them at the moment, and... He wanted the other kids to like him, so of course he said yes when they dared him to drink a cup full of ketchup, mustard, hot dog buns, greens, beans, and all this other random shit. And then he threw up. Of course. I was like, well, dude. But anyway, like, I just, like, so many things focus on popularity, and I think it's kind of pointless. Agreed. We see this Russo kid from the beginning again, and he is being a bully to Lester. He says that nobody wants to see his ugly mug on a campaign poster and a few other things. And what's sad about this is I feel like this isn't just school elections. I mean, this happens in U.S. elections where people won't vote for somebody just because they think, well, I'm... I can't stand to listen to their voice, or I don't like the way they look. I can't look at them, give a speech. (laughs) Which is absolutely ridiculous, but you're right. However, the teacher is trying to encourage them and explain to them why this is so important, that there are kids in other countries who would die for the chance to vote. And he gives this little speech at the end. He says, voting is a sacred thing. It gives the weak a chance to stand up against the strong. The little guy can strike a blow against injustice. Votes can end wars. So please, people, don't be cynical. The last thing this country needs is more cynicism. And buddy, do I have some bad news. (laughs) It has not gotten better. We go to the baseball fields, which it confused me because you see baseball fields in the background and then they're throwing a football. I suppose all the fields (laughs) at that school are just right there together. I don't know. Probably. That's weird. (laughs) But they are choosing team captains, and then they choose players. I want to point out that one of the team captains is Scott Winger, who is Steve from Full House, and he's also the voice of Aladdin. I recognize this because I had a major crush on this kid. He always had nice hair. It was like Elvis hair jet black always styled and also kelly martin ended up dating him for quite a while later on in her career Hmm. not too much later on she was still young (laughs) uh russo is the other team captain he runs off but not before calling lester and corky the brain and the brainless that made me so mad And then at that comment, Lester yells, I have an IQ of 190. Yes. There is no way that's true. (laughs) Like, if you're going to lie about having a high IQ, you need to pick a more believable number. Like, I looked it up, and Sheldon Cooper's is 187. There is no way. (laughs) Okay, but in his defense, this Russo guy is not smart enough to know that. 
Fair. But yes, he goes on this long rant about how he's going to be president of the United States and Russo's going to be a bag boy at a grocery store. As funny as I find that because I don't like this Russo character, I want to point out that there's no shame in that. The world needs bag boys and girls. But he probably isn't far off based on my experience. <laughs> Lester is like not happy at all to be left out but i think he's even more upset that he's left out with corky and he's like looking at him and he's like what am i doing here with you and i love like corky's response to that was perfect because he's like lester i have feelings just like you do yeah and you can see lester's face like he does process it and feel bad about it but it's really hard to feel bad for lester in this scene when he goes from being picked on to being the one to turn around Mm -hmm. and say something crappy. So we're back in the classroom where the nominations are taking place. Russo convinces Rona to nominate Corky and at this point I have to say that Rona's feelings on Corky really confuse me. Like sometimes she seems so genuine and that she likes him And then she turns around and says things behind his back, and I just can't wrap my head around it. Like, which is it? I know, because when she she does nominate Quirky, and I thought maybe she was, like, actually not doing it as a joke, like, I couldn't tell, and then later on she says some things that are like, okay. Right, like, she tells the teacher, I really think that Quirky could do a good job. Yeah. And also, I feel like Quirky could actually get more out of this position than any of the other classmates. I know it looks good on college applications, but where does it really get these kids in the long run? And for Corky, I feel like it's a real learning experience. Yeah. Corky accepts the nomination because he thinks Rona is his friend, so why would there be any bad intentions there? Lester nominates himself... But nobody will second the nomination. And it is the most awkward silence. It is. And Lester, when he nominates himself, he says the stupidest line. He says, vote for me is a vote for freedom. Like, what the (laughs) hell does that mean? You're in high school. Yeah, this is high school, bud. (laughs) It's like that, uh, I think it's a meme or something. Sir, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) But Corky finally does second the nomination, which you could tell on the teacher's face. He was so proud of that moment. Yeah, he's such a sweet kid. We're back at the baseball fields. There's a lot of jumping back and forth from the classroom to the fields here. But Lester is confused why Corky would nominate him because he is his rival. Corky says he wants to win, but he doesn't want Lester to feel bad. And again, like, just the emotional maturity of this kid. He cares so much about other people. Yes, and it's so realistic that, like, emotionally he's there, and then Lester uses an idiom and it goes completely over Corky's head. (laughs) Lester says, like, it's a dog-eat-dog world or something like that, and he looks at him and says, who eats dogs? (laughs) (laughs) It's really cute. I like it. It, It's just that, uh... It's like a language barrier, almost. Yeah. And that's, like, really common Mm -hmm. with um, kids with Down syndrome or autism or whatever, that, like, just non-literal language doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They have to be taught everything. 
So Rona and the cheerleaders, they come over, they do a cheer for Quirky, and she says that he shouldn't sit with Lester because Lester's a nerd. And again, like, this is what confuses me, because as much as I don't agree with what she's saying about Lester, and maybe she's just saying it to be hurtful to Lester, but the way she says it sounds sincere, kind of like in Mean Girls, don't hang out with them, it's social suicide. I feel like yeah. she's almost trying to help him here, but Corky doesn't care about any of that stuff. Nope. <laughs> Lester tells Corky that he is going to drop out of the race and become Corky's campaign manager because he knows that he has no chance of winning, but he thinks that Corky does because of the, quote, sympathy vote. Yeah. He tells Corky that he needs someone smart enough to help him run and win. But what he really means is conniving, not smart. <laughs> Just to be clear. I did think it was cute that before Lester, like, made it clear to Corky that he was volunteering himself to be his campaign manager, that Corky was like, oh, ask my sister. <laughs> right. And of course, <laughs> Becca would be the first person that comes to mind. Yes. The scene ends with Lester saying in like a super villain tone, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I'm about to call PETA on him with the whole dog eat dog <laughs> skinning <laughs> cats. Like, I don't know what's going on in his head. He's freaking me out a little bit. Libby and Drew are back in the bathroom. They're putting up wallpaper and they are not doing a good job. It hurt me to watch them. Also, like, uh, this may offend a bunch of people, but like, why was wallpaper ever a thing? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure, but it 100% was like the go-to. And now everybody has decided it's not and it is a pain to take down. Let's just not bring it back, please. We'll just keep paint. Without lead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that too. But yeah, it just, it hurt me to watch because they start in the like complete center of the wall. It's not even up to the <laughs> ceiling. It's falling off as soon as they put it on. Poor Arnold sitting in the bathtub trying to help in some way. Well, and it looked like Libby just tried to like shove it on the wall. It didn't look like she actually applied anything to the wall no. or anything first. She just like was like, oh, this will stick. I mean, it's played as comedic, and it was, but it, it was painful. Becca comes in. She is livid. She doesn't understand how Drew and Libby could allow Corky to run. She does not think it's a good idea, and she just wants that on the record. Yes. Also, her earrings are fabulous. Yes. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, she doesn't want to see him get hurt. Her parents point out that if he loses and gets hurt, it won't be the first time, and he always makes it through. That is a fair point. Becca says she can't support him, but that doesn't mean that she loves him any less than they do. And I think that this is a good conversation to be had because as a family, you are going to disagree on what's best for a loved one and ways to protect that person. And I like totally see, you can see both sides, like the but the parents are like, we're not going to burst his bubble, mm -hmm. we'll be okay. And Becca's like, but he's going to get hurt. Yeah, like, I don't even know who I agree with. Yeah. I can tell you who I do not agree with, and that is Paige. Okay, I was so <laughs> confused. What the hell is even happening with Paige and Libby this whole episode? 
And she's being so... Paige is so petty when she comes in and starts yelling about the paint. Yeah, she doesn't even talk to Libby. No. She keeps saying, doesn't she know that lead-based paint is toxic? Someone needs to tell her. And Drew's like, what are you talking about? She's standing right here. Talk to her. And she won't. It's, it's obviously something has happened between episodes that we're just supposed to assume. <laughs> like they're in some sort of fight. Something happened. She ends up walking out and slamming the door and Libby says, Drew, check me into an old age home. (laughs) Lester comes in. He is helping Corky with signs and buttons and everything. He hands him a speech that I swear is like five pages long. Yeah, I wrote that is a long ass speech. It is a lot for anyone to memorize. Yeah, and it's a lot for a high school election. You don't need all of that. Nobody's going to want to sit through that. I have a whole lot more comments on the actual election when we get to that part because, oh boy. (laughs) But Corky is very excited to be friends with Lester. Lester is like, we are not friends. I am your campaign manager. I don't trust people. We find out that Lester's parents are getting divorced and Corky's comforting of him in this scene is very endearing. He just reaches out and puts his hand on his shoulder and says, Lester, I'm so sorry. And separate, there is one part where Lester is talking about, like, he's just looking out for numero uno, and Corky looks at him and says, Lester, you're weird. (laughs) Yeah, and I agree. (laughs) Yeah, his rhetoric is a little intense for his age. Yeah. To be that young and that jaded and not trusting anyone, and I don't know... If we're supposed to believe that this is because of his parents' divorce, but it runs much deeper than that. There's more going on. But we can finally start realizing, like, why he's acting the way he is. You can finally start feeling bad a little bit for Lester. Right. You know, he's got the the divorce happening. Obviously, he's being bullied at school. It seems like there's a little touch of something going on with him, too. Because, like, mm-hmm. later on at the dinner, the family's hugging and tickling and stuff like that. And he asks Becca if they're always that way. And she says, well, yeah, you know, it's family. And he was like, they are passing so many germs to each other. So <laughs> it seems like there's a touch of, like, OCD or something like that going on. It's like the two sides to one mm-hmm. coin with Corky and Lester. Last episode, I was very concerned about them feeding the dog, but then we get a whole shot of Corky feeding him his scraps, so the dog is good and well. Right. They just don't feed the dog dog food. (laughs) He gets plenty of table scraps. (laughs) Becca is talking to Lester about the election, and she is a little peeved to find out that Lester's only helping Corky for revenge. She says to him, but Corky doesn't even know what revenge is. He only wants to do good. And she's right. He he does. The only comment I wrote on that scene was that both of their glasses are so huge. <laughs> they really are, but I, I cannot help it. I love Becca's glasses. 
I do too. They suit her really well. Yes, and it's like a trademark of that character, and I don't know if that has something to do with it, but it really does, like, they're cool glasses. And (laughs) what I found out was when Kelly Martin auditioned for the role of Becca, she auditioned with those glasses, she got a call back, and she had contacts in. And when she came in, they told her, where are your glasses? And she was like, I have contacts and they're in my mom's purse. And he was like, get them, put them on. So she did the whole second audition without really being able to see anything. <laughs> she had contacts oh and gosh. glasses on. But those glasses got her the job. And it's just funny that that is yeah. Becca's trademark look. <laughs> We're at the school. We see Corky and Lester hanging banners and printing flyers. I love the scene where Lester puts a poster over a Steve Smith poster. And Corky pulls it down. (laughs) Yeah, he like reprimands him, looks at him, and shakes his head. Becca and Tyler have a conversation about the election. Becca wants Tyler to convince Corky to drop out because he respects Tyler and will listen to him. Tyler says he doesn't want to get involved because he doesn't want people knowing that he has a brother who has Down syndrome. The wheels start turning in my head. Does Rona not even know about his brother? How serious are they? But yeah, they can't be that serious if she doesn't know. But I don't think she does. The way that she acts and, you know, she says later on that she doesn't understand why Tyler's so upset with her. I I feel like if she knew, she would understand why Tyler's so upset with her. Right. Becca tells him that he shouldn't be ashamed of his brother. Tyler seems to think that Becca isn't any better because she doesn't want Corky running, and he thinks that the reason for that is that she's embarrassed. She reminds him that she's proud of her brother, and she just doesn't want to see him get hurt. But as he walks away, you can kind of see her internally doing the, was there a little bit of truth to what Tyler said? And I don't think that... Well, I don't think that's the only reason she doesn't want him to run. I do think that it's potentially a tiny piece of it. I mean, she was definitely, you could tell in the first episode, she was very, like, embarrassed, right? Like, she the whole she gave him a whole lecture about, like, you can't embarrass me at school. And then, of course, he did. But I don't know. I just feel like that's got to be at least a tiny part of it. Right. And I think that the embarrassment is not as much him. It's that she knows that it was set up as a joke. And that he's the butt of that joke. And in turn, she feels like she is. So she's equal parts upset and embarrassed. We're in the schoolyard. Steve seems to think that the most important thing on his agenda is the lunch menu, which I love. This is very realistic. What gets me about, and this happens in every TV show, like, no matter how old it is, whenever there's an election, and I, it happens in real election, like, class elections, too. These kids make all these promises. (laughs) They do not have that much power. Like, a class president plans, like, dances and stuff. They do not have... (laughs) The power to put in soda machines or make everyone have longer recess, which is the stuff that they normally promise. Like, they have zero power. It really doesn't matter that much. Well, Kaylin, Steve is going to do it all. (laughs) Lester tells the popular kids to vote for Steve, but for anyone who feels left out, they should vote for Corky. Russo and some of the other kids are rooting for Corky. Tyler tells them to knock it off. They say Corky is a goofball who doesn't know what's going on. 
again, am just irate at this point watching this episode. And I also want to point out that Corky having Down syndrome has nothing to do with why he doesn't know what's going on. This happens to kids every day, and it's cruel. Mm-hmm. It is his trusting nature and his desire to make friends that makes him vulnerable. I have some students who are not, like, disabled in any way, but they're just so gullible and naive mm-hmm. and just want to be everyone's friend, and I just feel like... The other kids are always laughing at them at their expense. But, I mean, luckily with those kids, it kind of goes over their head. But eventually they're going to realize that they're the butt of the joke and it's not okay. Also, just as a side note, these are the strongest microphones that I've ever seen in television history. The characters are not even close to the microphones and you can hear the sounds echoing throughout the schoolyard. (laughs) We do get a touching moment after the speech between Corky and Lester where they hug. And Lester sincerely hugs Corky back. Corky says, Lester, are we friends now? This is also the point of the episode where I started seeing that not everyone is treating Corky running as a joke. There are people who are high-fiving him and seem very genuine about wanting to vote for Mm -hmm. him. Corky has an anxiety dream about forgetting his speech. In this version, he's president of the United States. The teacher is swearing him in. Becca is wearing this black coat lined with leopard print. Rona (laughs) is wearing a purple feather boa. Corky has on a top hat. Arnold is in a top hat and a bow tie. And I don't know why that (laughs) amused me as much as it did, but I loved it. Their outfits in his, like, dream and fantasy sequences are always kind of ridiculous, and I love it. It's like, it's what he imagines fancy clothing to be. (laughs) He wakes up screaming, Drew comes in and comforts him, gives him some advice on what he does to calm himself down. And I do think that it helped Corky a lot because he saw that his dad, who he looks up to has the same insecurities that he does and I think it's important for fathers to be open and honest about these things. Yeah and I love that he tells him like you can prepare and you can have all your ducks in a row but sometimes things still don't go to plan and that's okay. Truer words have never been spoken. (laughs) We're down in the kitchen. Drew and Libby are discussing how she and Paige are not speaking. Libby thinks it's because of her breakup and tells Drew that she does not want him to talk to Paige about it because she's heartbroken. That's why she's behaving the way she is. Drew says, well, I thought you were mad at her. And Libby's response is, I am, but what does one thing have to do with the other? And I love (laughs) that response. I feel like more people need to be objective about these things and see that it's a reaction to something going on with them. It's not even about me. Also in this scene, I love the conversation they have surrounding Corky and how Libby says she prayed every night that he would just be able to have the same experience as other kids. The reason this is so important is because losing this school election, this is an experience that other kids have. So even though it might hurt him, he's he's living that dream that Libby had for him. Mm-hmm. We're in the cafeteria. This might be one of my favorite scenes of the entire episode. Corky is on a power trip, and I love it. (laughs) He sits down and he says, who's in charge of cleaning this mess? 
Becca tells him the lunch squad is responsible, and he responds with, This looks terrible. Lester, make a note of it. (laughs) Becca tells him that his head is starting to swell. Rona calls Corky over. Becca is telling him, don't go over there. They're making fun of you. He yells at Becca. You're not my mother. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Again, this is a very typical sibling thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, but can we talk about the fact that when he does go over there, Rona is feeding him? Yes. What the hell? I know, and this is what makes Tyler so upset, because it is over the top what she's doing. Yeah. He basically tells her that she's leading the guy on, and he's defenseless. I want to point out, I love Becca's bright pink sweater in this scene, and her heart-shaped earrings. Yes, they're cute. (laughs) She also asks Lester in this scene, what is it about men? You all become complete boobs for blonde hair and mammary glands. (laughs) Lester asks Becca if Corky would be okay if he loses. And Becca says that she thinks that he can take losing, but not if he found out that him being nominated was a joke. And you can tell that Lester, like, genuinely cares about Corky now because he is concerned that if they if they lose, if Corky's going to be okay. Right. We already touched some on this, but Tyler is pissed at the way Rona is leading Corky on. She insists that she isn't, but then she turns around and says some pretty bad things to one of her friends in the bathroom. And again, I don't know if she's putting this on in front of her friends. Like, oh no, I don't really like him. I'm just making fun of him. And she does genuinely like him or vice versa. Yeah. There's definitely some fakeness happening, but I don't know which way it is. Right. It's hard because her friend tells her, why don't you just genuinely be nice to Corky? And then Tyler won't be mad at you anymore. So she decides that she's going to invite Corky over to her house and have Tyler come over and they will all spend some time together. Lester is talking to Becca about how innocent Corky is. He asks her if she believes in God. Lester explains that he felt like if there was a God, why would he put Corky down here in this nest of vipers? I feel like this is very progressive for an 80s family television show to be having this (sighs) conversation Because a lot of these shows did not, and this is a more realistic version of life. And even Becca says, sure, yeah, I believe in God or something like that. And for Lester to just say he doesn't know if he believes in God or not like that, that was rare. (laughs) Right. So Rona does invite Corky over to her house, but she tells him that he can't bring Lester because Lester is a nerd. We get this quick, funny scene with Drew and Paige where they're bringing a toilet upstairs. Where did he get the toilet? I think that he says that he got it from some restaurant that was closing down. But he's carrying the toilet up and Paige has the seat in her hands. And when she finds out that it's a used toilet, she about loses it. And he's like, oh, not the seat. I wouldn't do that. But we find out that Paige is mad at Libby because Libby has been distant, according to Paige, since she came back. Drew says, well, that's funny because she says that you've been distant with her. And Paige says, well, that's because she's been distant with me. It's all nonsense. (laughs) I mean, Drew even says that. Yeah, it just seems like they're fighting to fight. 
Corky comes home. He asks Paige's advice about going to Rona's because Lester is supposed to come over and help with the campaign. She tells him to lie to Lester. Great advice, big sis. I know. She says what he doesn't know can't possibly hurt him, and I'm pretty sure it can, man. Yeah, we find that out. He He's hurt pretty bad. <laughs> Lester comes over, Corky lies, but then he ends up being honest with him. This was like the quickest turnaround. He could not deal with it. He could not <laughs> deal with this lie for like five seconds. No. He could never actually go into politics. <laughs> Lester is mad because as soon as he starts trusting someone and he sees them as a friend, he gets dumped for the popular kids. This is just scars that he has from the past coming to the surface. At dinner, Becca takes this time to point out that she was right all along. <laughs> Corky is visibly upset and he asks to be taken to Lester so he can explain himself. And we go to the scene that I hated the most in this entire episode. Yes. He arrives at Lester's. There is a big blow up where the arsler is dropped. As much as I realize that this term was used as a medical term at this time. The way in which Lester uses it is malicious. It's meant to be malicious. We're supposed to see it yeah. as malicious. So it was really hard to watch. And you just see Corky standing there, like, silently crying. It's heartbreaking. And again... I think that this is why I don't want to condemn the use of this word in this episode so much because the context in which it is used is to show you that it's not okay. Yeah, it's definitely not like a we need to all rally against the writers sort of deal. Right. So it's supposed to make you mad and it succeeds at doing that. Yes, it does. And this is also where Lester tells him that the whole thing is a joke. It's just adding insult to injury. Yeah, I typed punch him, Corky, punch him. I know that wouldn't happen, but... <laughs> okay, so it's election day. Corky doesn't want to go because Lester won't be there and he feels like everyone is making fun of him now. Becca comes in. It's a really sweet scene where she actually says that she was wrong, which, again, only episode two, but given what we've seen from Becca, this is major. <laughs> Mm-hmm. She says Lester was wrong, but she was wrong, too. That not everybody is making fun of him and that he won't be alone because she will be his campaign manager if that's what he wants. And he's so happy. They have a sincere hug. It's it's a beautiful scene. Yeah. It's a, such a sweet moment for the two of them. I also just want to point out that the big sister gave really bad advice, and the little sister <laughs> gave the good advice. Yeah, Paige's advice was awful. It really was, and it surprised me. Not that we we haven't seen a lot of Paige, but the moments that we've seen between the two of them, I just felt like she would do a little better here. I know. It's like, uh... We're at the school, and Becca is giving Lester a what for. I'm not kidding. If looks could kill, Lester would be dead. The facial acting here is incredible. Yes. Also, what is Becca wearing? I don't know. 
It's like bright blue and yeah, and that's like floral sort of thing, and it like I don't even know how to explain what that would even be called. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm typically Team Becca when it comes to her fashion, but this is a little. I like she pulled it off, but I was like, "What is that? I don't even know like what article of clothing category to put that in." Right, like it didn't look bad on her, but it was noticeable that it was a little out there. Yes, but Corky looks so handsome in his suit. Yes, he does. Steve gives a speech. I really liked that he kept it clean. When he talked about Corky, he said, I just don't know that he has what it takes. But when he's saying that, he's saying it in terms of he thinks he can convey a stronger image against rival schools because he's a jock. He's a football player. So they'll respect him more. Which, again, seems so ridiculous because the freshman class president does not, <laughs> like, represent them f- to other schools. Like, I don't know. I don't know about when you were in high school, but when I was in high school, class elections were not a big deal at all. I didn't even know who was running until the morning of the election in homeroom. They would pass out slips and we would circle a name and that was it. There was no speech. There was nothing. Right. Let alone knowing who was the class president at other schools. Yeah. Corky takes the stage after Steve. Again, Steve, like, pats him on the shoulder, tells him good luck. Becca gives Steve a dirty look. <laughs> she she <laughs> is wanting to win. Corky goes out onto the stage. Becca tells him to just forget what was written and speak from the heart. He stumbles over his words. It's a throwback to his anxiety dream. He keeps saying, my fellow freshman, and getting stuck. Russo starts making comments about it. Tyler threatens him and tells him to leave him alone. Russo says, you're acting like this kid is your brother, to which Tyler responds, he is. Meanwhile, Rona is in between these two acting like, I have no idea what is happening here. Please don't hurt me. (laughs) Corky finally gets it together and he gives a speech that it's very emotional. It's so sweet. This is where I had to go back and I had to write down what was actually said. Yeah, I wrote it down too. It was powerful. He said, I wish the kids who tease handicapped people could stand inside our shoes. Then they would know we have a life. We have dreams. We have hopes. We laugh and cry just like you. All we want is a chance to be your friend. It just gets you right in the heart. Mm hmm. Everybody cheers. It was. <laughs> Like, there's no denying. It was a good speech. It was much better than I can stand up to the football team. (laughs) We go back to the kitchen. Libby and Paige are making up, which is good for them. They're bonding over this experience. Libby's pulling this dead chicken out of the sink. And then a minute later, they're hugging. And, like, Libby was just touching a dead freaking chicken. Don't hug her. I love that you wrote that down. My notes say (laughs) I had such anxiety in this scene because Libby is handling raw chicken, then she cuts vegetables, and then she hugs Paige all without washing her hands. (laughs) And there's a lot of debate on the internet right now whether or not Libby should have been washing the chicken in the sink because apparently that spreads salmonella. I don't know. Not getting into that. 
I'm just I don't know. I don't cook. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is a huge divide in this country over washing chicken before you cook it. That's so random. (laughs) We get the results of the election. Corky didn't win, but he got about half of the freshman class votes, and he's really excited about that. He tells Becca, that's a lot of friends. And again, this is all he wants. He's you, you can just tell how proud of himself he is. Like, he lost, but he... It still feels like a win for Corky. Right. And it is. The fact yeah. that he even ran, and he did good. Yeah. I have a note that I like Steve's little bolo tie that he has on. <laughs> <laughs> the episode ends with Lester and Corky making up. Lester offers him a soda. Corky picks him up and hugs him. Lester's like, put me down. You're embarrassing me. But he loves it. You can see it on his face. (laughs) I suppose that this is a good thing. And I'm happy for Corky. But I just really didn't enjoy Lester that much in this episode. So I'm not very (laughs) invested in it. Yeah. You have a kid with so much emotional maturity. And then one who has almost none. You can see someone's going to get hurt again. It's just going to happen. But that does it for the episode. So what are some of your favorite parts of this episode? Um, I like the speech. Corky was funny in this episode. There were just a lot of things that... (laughs) He really was. And you'll see later in episodes that Chris Burke's comedic timing is perfect. He could say a single line and it just catches you off guard. And it ends up being the funniest part of the episode. Yeah, he just says everything so bluntly. It reminded me of my brother that he'll just say things. and Like when he says, Lester, you're weird. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. What was your favorite part of the episode? I really liked the part where Corky consoles Lester over the divorce of his parents. It just mm. felt real, but... It was also just really cute for a kid who, he has no experience with divorce. Paige does, but Corky doesn't. The empathy that he has. Mm -hmm. I really liked that. Other than that, again, it's going to be a theme throughout us recording that Becca's sass (laughs) is again (laughs) up there. The fact that she has to point out that she was right about things. (laughs) I love it. So before we get to the throwback segment of the episode, I did want to talk a little bit about our social media. We have had social media for about a week and a half, two weeks. We have over 120 followers on Twitter. We have 60 page likes on Facebook, which for Facebook is huge. It seems like it's hard to get your name out there on Facebook, and a lot of people are liking, commenting, sharing, and I just want to thank everybody who has helped us out so far in such a short amount of time. Um, Instagram is struggling a little bit, but that's on me. I'm still trying to... I don't think I'm even following the Instagram, so that's on me, too. Yeah, well, I, I set it up, but I have been... I've neglected the Instagram. I I am doing... I'll, I will do better. I promise. I vow. <laughs> but I just kind of wanted to take this time to thank everybody for getting the word out, sharing the page. We, we really appreciate it. So we're going to go back in time. 
the number one song at this time, again, is Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You by Millie Vanilli. People really loved their Millie Vanilli. (laughs) Uh, The most viewed movie was Welcome Home, best-selling book, Clear and Present Danger by Tom Clancy. ABC's premiere of The Preppy Murder, based on the 1986 murder in New York City of Jennifer Levin by ex-prep school student Robert Chambers, aired. I have heard about this case because I listen to a lot of true crime, (laughs) but I have not seen the movie, probably because it was made the year I was born. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty good reason. Yeah, and... Those facts were via take me back dot two. And that is all we have for you. We will be back next time with season one, episode three, The Babysitter. We're going to end this episode with a special guest. This is my son who loves this show. He's four years old. So, Reed, tell us if you like this show and who's your favorite character. I love this show. And Becca's my favorite character. All right. See you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Remember, listeners, if you want to interact with us or have your comments read on the show, you can find us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GlenbrookGals. Or you can email us directly at GlenbrookGalsPod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the episodes, please tell a friend and rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.